Welcome to the Finley Capital Podcast, where we discuss real estate investing and the hard money lending process. Welcome back to the Finley Capital Podcast. My name is Logan Ricchetti. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the Hard Money Handbook. You can go to www.hardmoneyhandbook.com to learn how to use hard money loans to fund your real estate deals. Also brought to you by the Facebook group, Powered by Private. If you are an aspiring private lender, you want to learn more about lending your own private capital or working with private lenders, or if you're an operator, borrower, real estate investor that wants to learn more about using private capital to fund your deals, that's the group that you want to go join, Powered by Private on Facebook. Today, I want to talk about how to structure hard money loans, private loans in such a way that minimizes risk to the operate to the lender, but that also is attractive to the borrower. I had a conversation yesterday with another private lender in another market, and we analyzed a deal, a recently funded deal, and I shed some light on a different perspective for this lender of how this structure could have been different and better, safer, more advantageous to the borrower or to the lender, but also equally attractive to the borrower. And it's worth exploring on this episode because the way that you structure your private money loans, your hard money loans has a massive impact on the success of your loan and on the risk of your loan. If you are borrowing money, if you are investing money from co-lenders, private lenders, investors, and deploying that capital into a hard money loan to a borrower, you have a responsibility to make sure that you are structuring those loans in such a way that minimizes the risk of default and limits the exposure of the capital so that your investors are protected. But also, you have to make loans that are attractive to borrowers so that they work with you instead of a competitor. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I have a case study example here I want to go through with you all to show you how this works so you can be more informed and a little bit structured safely on your next loan. Okay. Okay. So let's go through this example. Purchase price, 500,000. Renovation budget, 100,000. After repair value, 750,000. So the way that this lender decided to structure this loan was he agreed to lend about 98% of the purchase price, 490,000 and asked the borrower to bring 10,000 to the table. This lender also decided to defer the interest payments until the end of the loan and defer the origination fees to the end of the loan. And that's understandable why the lender decided to do that because it makes the loan offer to the borrower more attractive. Why? Because the borrower now does not have to bring the payments or the fees to the table at the beginning. The borrower also does not have to make monthly payments during the course of the loan. So yes, of course, to the borrower, that is more attractive. And I understand that. But to the lender, that makes the loan much, much, much more risky. And here's why. If you add this up, the borrower is going to have $10,000 down out of pocket, plus a couple thousand in closing costs to close on the deal with the title company. And that's about it. $10,000, dollars $12,000 out of pocket. The lender now is going to be exposed on this deal out of pocket on day one, $490,000 on an asset that was purchased for $500,000. So almost 100% loan to purchase price is what the exposure for the lender is. Now, the lender says, well, Logan, 
I'm not lending any money for the repairs. So I'm not outlaying 100 grand for repairs. The borrower is going to bring that to the table. So what that means is, Logan, that this loan is, is only roughly 65, 66% of the $750,000 ARV. We're safe. And I understand that too. But here's the, here's the concept. When you do a hard money loan as a lender, the riskiest day of that loan is day one. Because until that property is worth $750,000, you don't have a 65% loan-to-value loan. You have a 100% loan-to-value loan, which means if that borrower defaults, first of all, you're not going to know it for six months because they're not going to pay you payments, so you're not going to have any payments to track. But also, if that borrower defaults on day one, you get to, not, not defaults because they're not going to default, but on day one, but that borrower gets hit by a truck, that borrower goes to jail, that borrower gets a divorce, that borrower, something bad happens to that borrower. And you have to eventually take that collateral back. Well, guess what? Your exposure on that deal is 490,000. You ain't getting that back. You're not getting 100% of that back. Because if even if you if you take that property back, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars in legal fees to do a foreclosure and go through that process. You're going to have carrying costs, taxes, insurance, utilities, you're going to have costs to secure the property. And then you're going to have costs to dispose of the property. If you have to list that property for sale for 6%, that's almost $30,000. It might take you three or four months to dispose of it. By the time you get clear title to it, you're looking at a major loss here, $30,000, dollars $50,000 potentially. So you have now set up a situation where if everything doesn't go perfectly, you're going to lose money. And that's not what you want to do as a lender. So here's an alternative structure. By the way, in this structure, the borrowers bring in 100,000 plus 10,000. So we're roughly 110 to the table, which is great. But if the borrower never puts the money into the deal, that 110,000, that 100,000 never got into the property, never improved the value of the property, which means the property never got to a value of 750,000 because the investor, the operator never added value into the property. And you can't really control that. What happens if that operator has another deal going bad and he needs that 100,000 to finish another deal? Well, guess what? You have no control over making sure that operator invests that money into that property to increase that collateral value. You can't control it because you've relinquished the control by funding 100% of the purchase price and none of the repairs. Let's compare this to a different structure and hopefully you'll see the benefits of this alternative structure. So this loan amount was roughly 500,000, the way that the uh, lender had did it. Roughly 100% of purchase, 0% of repairs, roughly 100,000, 490. What we're gonna propose instead is that we lend 80% of the purchase price and then 100% of the repair budget. Well, guess what? 500,000 times 80% equals 400,000 plus 100,000 renovations equals 500,000. What that means is the loan amount is effectively the same. It's 10,000 off, but roughly the same. And the loan to after repair value is roughly the same. But here's the difference. Also, by the way, the operator, the borrower is putting in roughly the same amount of money, 100,000. Instead of putting it into the repairs over the next three months, he's putting it down on the down payment on the purchase. We know the borrower has 100,000 because he was going to do the renovations for 100,000 with his own money. So we know he has it. He's proven that he has it. Let's have him put the money down on the house and then we will finance the repairs. So here's how this looks. Now the loan amount on the purchase price is 400,000 plus a $100,000 renovation. So it's still a $500,000 loan. 
but on the day we close, let's look at the difference. Also, by the way, we're not deferring payments and we're not deferring interest uh, fees. We're not doing that. Finley Capital does not do that. It's not a good practice to do that. We should collect this money up front for two reasons. Number one, now we don't have to collect monthly payments. Number two, now we've earned our fees up front that we can now redeploy into another loan, making more interest. Number three, we have our payments in escrow so we can pay our capital investors in time, on time and in full. Now we don't have to hope the borrower makes a payment to us so we can pay our capital investors. Now we guarantee that our capital investors are gonna, investors are gonna get paid every month for six months because we're holding the capital. We're ready to distribute it on the day it's due. That's why you do that. But in addition to that, now the borrower is required to have more skin in the game. If it's a 3% origination and that's 15,000 on $500,000 loan, if it's six months of interest payments, that's 5,000 per month times six months equals 30,000. 30,000 plus 15,000 is 45,000. That's an additional 45,000 the borrower needs to come to closing with. Now you might be saying, well, that's a lot of money. And I'm saying, yes, it is. But so is a half a million dollar loan on a piece of real estate that's going to be worth $750 when it's done. And guess what? That borrower now has $100,000 plus $45,000 into this deal. It's the same property. It's the same collateral. It's the same scope of work. In option one, in scenario A, the borrower has $12,000 out of pocket. In option B, the borrower has $145,000 out of pocket. Which scenario is the borrower more likely to default? We're going with option B here. The borrower is not going to put 145,000 into a deal and then default. But a borrower can absolutely put $10,000 into the deal and be much more willing to default. That's just human nature. Now, here's the other beauty of this thing. Let's say the borrower defaults. Let's say the borrower gets hit by a bus on day one. Well, when that loan funded, we had a $500,000 loan with 100,000 in renovations held back in escrow. We didn't give that to the borrower, we held it back. We also, collected the fees and the interest up front, which was 45,000. So if you run the numbers on this real quick, roughly 500,000 minus 100 is 400,000, minus 45,000 is 355,000. That's how much we sent in a wire transfer out of our company on day one, 355,000. That's our real net exposure on this deal because that's how much came out of our account. If we have to take this property back and it's worth 500,000, how are we gonna do? We're going to make money. In fact, foreclosing on this deal, for whatever reason, is probably our best financial outcome. Now, we don't want to do that, but that's what will happen in the event of the worst case scenario that we have to do a foreclosure. That is how you structure a loan. Here's another benefit. Now on day one, the borrower starts the renovations. Let's say we do a draw schedule with 10 $10,000 draws. Well, the borrower has another 10000 he or she, he needs to put into the deal to start the renovation before we release the first draw back to him. So now, three or two or three weeks later, we see demos done, permits are, per, uh, permits are pulled, trash out's been completed. There's a dumpster on site. Uh, there's been some framing, there's been some HVAC. We see some things happening on the property. When we release 10,000 out of our escrow account to the borrower, we know that the collateral value is improving. And then we can control that. We know what's happening because we're in control of the releases of the draws. The borrower is not going to get the funds until the property, the property itself, the collateral itself is being improved. Okay. That's fundamentally different than a borrower funding their own renovations. And then they have all the control of whether or not that money actually ever even goes into the property. Now you might be saying, Logan, come on, give me a break. If he's going to, if he's going to buy this thing for 500, it's worth 750 and it only needs a hundred thousand to fix it up. He's going to do it. Right. Well, maybe, 
maybe this guy's got six other deals going on and maybe he's got some other juicier deals that are behind schedule and over budget. And maybe he needs his 100,000 to go finish another deal. That's very realistic. And let me tell you, that happens. But now because we structured the loan where we're holding the funds back in escrow, that borrower has no choice but to invest his capital into that deal because otherwise he won't get this capital back. And if that happens because he's working on another deal or he's behind schedule or over budget on something else, well, guess what? That's a problem for everybody, but at least we're only $355,000 exposed, not 490,000 exposed. That's the difference. And that is why structuring your loans so that the borrower has skin in the game is critical. You have got to do that. It is very, very important that you structure your loans in such a way that protects the lender, protects the capital investors, but that is also incentivizing to the borrower. Now, other than the prepaid interest and fees, which is a different issue, the borrower basically is still borrowing the same amount. The borrower should have no problem with this structure. Now, if you ask the borrower, hey, would you rather do 100% financing on the purchase and you handle the renovations or 80% financing and we hold the renovations back in escrow, what's the borrower going to say? Of course, they're going to say, well, fund 100% of the purchase. I'll figure it out later. It's not a question of what the borrower wants more. The question is, what is safest for the lender that still works for the borrower? And that's option B. That's the 80% of purchase, 100% of repairs, prepaid, tax, prepaid fees and, and interest. And now the borrower, the lender is in a situation where he or she is in good shape regardless of the outcome. That is how you structure loans for private money loans. And that's what we need to be doing as private lenders. Now, on the borrower side, I'm a borrower too. I've been a borrower. I work with borrowers. I understand that borrowers want to have as much leverage as possible. And they want to have as few headaches as possible. And they don't want to pay interest and fees up front. But you know what, guys? You're going to pay the fees one way or another. You're going to pay the interest one way or another. Pay it up front because that's what the lender wants to see. It makes the lender feel more safe and it helps your loan to be approved. And what really, what difference does it make? It makes a little bit difference out of pocket, cash out of pocket. I get that. But you know what? When you invest in real estate, you have to put money into the game. You have to put skin in the game. Now, that's just kind of the way it is. It's not ideal. But if you look at these cash on cash returns that these borrowers are getting on these deals, they're getting 80, 90%, 100% cash on cash returns sometimes. So guys, it's okay to invest in your own deals. And when you're personally guaranteeing a deal alone, you're going to pay it back one way or another. So don't, don't get that confused if you're a borrower. You think, well, if I only have 10000 in the game, I don't have to worry about it. That borrower signed the same personal guarantee for a 490k loan that comes out of pocket or comes right away as he would have in the other loan that's 80% of purchase where he has 100000 down. The difference is very simple. The more skin in the game the borrower has, the less likely the borrower is to default, the more likely the borrower is to focus on that transaction, and the more likely it is the borrower will complete that transaction. It's just basic human nature. So that's what we want to do. We want to set up loans that work for the lender, the co-lenders and the investors, and work for the borrowers, and that's what we're trying to do. Go get them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Finley Capital Podcast. Please like and share this episode. Help us grow our following so we can help more hard money loan borrowers and investors like you. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Finley Capital. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We'll see you out there.